0: Hello and welcome to the Cornerstone Podcast presented by Global Grace Ministries. My name is Francis Hueso and I am the host of this podcast. We have been discussing a series of questions and answers regarding the series Letters to the Church. This episode is the second part of those questions and answers. I hope you enjoy it. I have with me Josiah Kitanga, one of our board members, and we are happy to have you with us for Thank the first you time. Thank for
1: having me. It's
0: not going to be the last time, but it's, it is the first time. <laughs> Thanks for having so, me. So uh, what do you think if we, maybe we can start right now?
1: Okay. What is the difference between the church in Smyrna and the other six churches?
0: My friends, the church in Smyrna is an amazing church. The church is the church persecuted for their faith. It is the one of the two churches that Christ did not rebuke in Revelation. And the only church that was promised the crown of life. It is going to die for their faith. It's going to die testifying about the love of God. And because of that love, they're going to lose their life. One of the only two churches that did not get rebuked, but received promises from Christ.
1: So why was this church receiving warning, comfort, direction, etc.?
0: Christ wanted to encourage this church to persevere. He knew what was coming for this church, and he knew that what was coming was not going to be easy. And he wanted to comfort and encourage them in his love and mercy. It was also crucial to Christ that this church realized that their suffering wasn't going to be forever, That, Mm -hmm. yes, what was coming to them was going to be terrible.
1: But that it was not going to last forever.
0: But it's not going to last forever. And it is always good to hear this. I don't know if any of you is going through persecution or is going through different trials for your faith or because you chose not to sin. Just know that the grace of God is upon you. You are not going through that alone. And that season of suffering is not going to last forever.
1: Amen to that. Talk about suffering. How do you defeat the devil through suffering?
0: You know, Josiah, we were recording the Spanish podcast yesterday, right? and we were thinking that we were going to start taking notes about so many subjects that we have to do podcast series about. And this is one of them because a lot of people in the body of Christ, I believe that they don't understand suffering. I believe that suffering is one of the most misunderstood topics in the church. The church is often unaware of the beautiful fruit of suffering because we are taught in movies and our culture in general believes that the good guys always win. Right. The bad guys always lose. The the good guy always gets the girl. They They become the kings, you know, but that is not reality. We cannot have victory without a fight. There are not miracles without needs. You know, a lot of people, when I testify what God has done for me, they said, Pastor Francis, you have seen so many miracles. But the only reason why I have seen a lot of miracles is because I needed them. So if you haven't seen miracles, praise the Lord for that, because you haven't been in in a place where, Where you you know, you needed a miracle. You cannot have freedom without somebody having to fight for that freedom because freedom is never free. The Bible tells us that our suffering is often necessary for the light of Christ to be revealed in many hearts. Mary was told that. Mary was told when she dedicated Jesus, a spear is going to crush Mm. or go through your heart so that the hearts of many... Will be enlightened. And if you think about it, Jesus was on the cross and he gave his life, but he was not the only one suffering in Calvary. There were people who loved him, and Mary was one of them who paid the price for Jesus to do what he did for us. So the fruit of suffering, it's just beautiful. And if we are honest, Josiah, if you are going to live on this earth, we are going to suffer.
1: Yep. Yeah. So talk about suffering, and I think suffering can be such a stumbling block, even for seasoned believers. How can a child of God prepare to face persecution, suffering, tribulation?
0: You know, Josiah, this is I think a subject that a lot of people don't want to hear about mm-hmm. because we, and when I say we, I'm talking about mostly the American church. We have not been persecuted. This land, this beautiful land that it is the United States, was founded on one of the principles that is freedom of religion. But the sad thing is that I do believe that eventually that it is possible for the American church to go through persecution. So again, we could do a whole series trying to answer this question, but the shortest answer I can give you is that through abiding in Christ, we can get ready to suffer either persecution, tribulation, to face trials. We need to abide in Christ. He's the vine and we are the branches. Outside him, we cannot do anything. We can do nothing, the Bible says. But in him, we can conquer anything.
1: Mm. So going back into the Bible, why was the city of Pergamum nicknamed the city of Satan? That's quite a title to have.
0: Can you imagine, Uh, Josiah has a a sister that lives in Vegas, and she's no (laughs) sinner. She just works in Vegas. Yes. But Vegas is called what?
1: It's called the city of sin.
0: Yeah, sin city. Can you imagine? That is better for a city to be nicknamed the city of Satan. Satan. And this is not the people that lived in this city calling it that. This is Jesus calling this city the city of Satan. And it was called that, or Jesus called the city of Pergamum the city of Satan, Because of their paganism and their level of sin.
1: Mm, Wow. So there was a church there, if I am not wrong. How did the Pergamum church compromise its faith? Enlighten us on that.
0: That congregation allowed a mixture of paganism in their sound doctrine, going so far as to worship Zeus and Baal with Christ.
1: What do you mean with Christ? Like in in the same... Explain that to me real quick.
0: So if you haven't heard that episode, go back and listen to the episode. Pergamum had an altar that was magnificent, and it was an altar for Zeus. And the church in Pergamum will go... And on Sundays, they would worship Christ. And throughout the week, they participated in a lot of paganistic rituals. So at the same time that they were serving Christ, they were worshiping basically a demon and their mixture. I mean, they that was their doctrine. That was their doctrine. And you know, Josiah, a lot of that people is, is within crazy. the church of Jesus Christ, right. nowadays, are doing the same thing. Mm. The thing is that they, they don't realize it because it's part of their culture. It's part of what they grown up with. But they do it.
1: So just staying on that real quick. So the church in Pergamum was told that they worshipped Baal. At this time, what would a modern Baal look like?
0: A modern form of worship to Zeus or Baal, because by the way, this is the same demon. Okay. Okay. This is the same demon. It's just called Baal at one time of the history of Israel. And by the time the New Testament comes along, because of Roman and Greek influence, Baal was called Zeus, but it's the same demon. Hmm. So a form of worship to Zeus or Baal was the sacrifice of babies. What is that? Abortion. Abortion is a clear example of worshiping a false God. I am left cold, Josiah, to see how many people who consider themselves Christians defend abortion stronger than they defend their faith in Christ. There is a mixture of cultural, political, and religious theories in these people that cannot exist in the heart of anybody who is a believer. The sad thing is that like the church of Pergamon, many people who do not realize that there are mixtures in them and they continue to believe that Christ is at the center of everything they do. But Josiah, abortion is the killing of babies. However you see it, if you abort a baby, you're killing a baby. That's what these Christians were doing. And I have seen Christian women. I have seen ministers defending abortion. You cannot have these kind of mixtures.
1: What does it mean, I will fight the sword with my mouth? What does that phrase mean?
0: I will fight with the sword of my mouth, right? Yes,
1: I will fight with the sword of my mouth. Correct.
0: This is Christ telling the church of Pergamum, I will fight you. With the sword of my mouth, unless you repent. Here we could spend hours, like I was telling you, talking about the sword that comes out of the mouth of Christ. But due to the lack of time, I will only tell you that that sword, of course, is the word of God, is the Bible. Since Christ fulfills his word, what this means is that Christ will fulfill every warning against sin that is in that word. Jonathan Edwards, this preacher used to preach a sermon called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. And although I believe that that preaching was not for a generation of grace, if I believe that one day God's grace for the sinner is going to end and is going to end, at the end Christ will punish people with the sword of his mouth. What does that mean? Is that every judgment that is in the Bible that God is telling them, I will bring, he will bring and mm. this and, and this is very important, Josiah, because for all the seven letters, he's not talking to unbelievers like we said at the beginning of the podcast no, he's talking to he's believers. talking to believers. so this judgment is not is for believers yes, it's not for unbelievers, it's mm-hmm. for believers. So all the judgment in the word of God God talks about for believers, he's going to do it. Mm. He's going to bring judgment.
1: So to that point, as children of God, why must we cleanse ourselves of mixtures?
0: Because Christ hates mixtures. Because where there's mixtures, there's no God. God is pure. That's true. Mixtures mean contamination, and God does not exist in contamination. We must understand that the mixture that that we're discussing here are not mixtures in the world. Like we were just saying, in the world, there's no mixtures. Everybody's a sinner. I mean, everybody's the same thing. But in, Correct. inside the church, there are people that have these mixtures that live in sin and still claim Christ as their Savior. Mm. He hates it. Mm. Christ mm. hates this. This is one thing that a lot of people don't understand, Josiah. And I know that we might be getting a little bit off the subject. But a lot of people think that God only loves. And yes, God is love. But if you read the Bible, you also find that there's a lot of things that he hates. That God
1: actually specifically mentions that he hates. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Um, Why is church leadership maturity so important?
0: I think that it is important because if you read the seven letters to the church, every letter starts with an assignment to the pastor. Mm. The letter is addressed to the pastor of the congregation and if you hear the episodes you will see that it says to the angel of the church of pergamum to the angel of the church in smyrna to the angel of the church in ephesus because that word angel means messenger so christ gives the responsibility to the pastor or the leadership of that church to give this message. But one thing that is to me very peculiar is that if you read the seven letters to the churches, you see that most of the churches go through the same predicament. They all are exposed more or less to the same temptations, but each church, each church reacts in a different way, in a different way, in one of the churches. And this is the church that we are talking about. Jesus told them, you allow Jezebel Mm jezebel to teach and it is believed that the jezebel he was talking about was the pastor's wife of that church no i'm not saying that pastor's wives are jezebel don't get it out of content but it is believed that in that particular church or that particular congregation Jesus was referring to a woman who was teaching wrong doctrines. Mm. And it is so crucial that the people that lead churches are mature, that are spiritually mature and strong, that they know and are very careful who they allow to teach their congregation. Because whatever comes from that pulpit is going to instruct and lead the type of life that that congregation is going to live.
1: That's true. How can a person with good works, love, and even faith, in fact, even perseverance, how can that person be deceived?
0: Honestly, Josiah, I think that good-hearted people are very easily uh, deceived because they believe in people. That's why it's crucial that people read their Bible. You know me. The first thing that I tell the congregation, whatever I minister, whatever I have the opportunity to share from the pulpit, is basically test what i say in light of the bible mm. and every time that i give a word of knowledge word of wisdom or prophecy to anybody i always say, judge what i'm telling you according to the word of god because my friends the only way for us to know that what we are receiving is not false or is not a mixture between either cultural stuff or the wrong teaching or false teachings is if we know the word of God. So I think that a lot of people are very good hearted people and they just trust their leadership. And if their pastor puts somebody on the pulpit, they're gonna say, oh, he's a good teacher, he's a sound preacher, and they take whatever they say. But my family I don't care who it is that is teaching you. I don't care. Like I said, anything that I said, please, anything that I say, whether it's in this podcast or through the word of the the week that we sent, always judge it according to the word of God. It is always so good to have you with us. Please do not miss the next episode in which we will continue discussing questions and answers about the seven churches of the book of Revelation. For information about our ministry, Please go to our website, globalgraceministries.com. And if you have any questions that you would like us to discuss on air, please write us at info at globalgraceministries.com. Be blessed.